keep pushing. Keep pushing, keep pushing. And I need you to be a minister for a moment and find somebody sit, sitting in your general vicinity. Look them dead in the eyes if they owe you $20. And tell them, neighbor, whatever you do, keep pushing. Keep pushing, keep pushing. It's hard to keep pushing in the world that we're living in right now. How is one supposed to find serenity and sanity and strength in the world we live in right now? What is up, y'all? Good morning and welcome back to the show. Happy that you're here with me today. I hope you all are getting ready to have a wonderful holiday, whether you celebrate Christmas, whether you're just with loved ones or family, or you're spending some time outside. I hope you're doing what you need for yourself and giving back to yourself as well, too, as well as giving to others. And I hope you guys are going to have a beautiful New Year's as well, too. Hopefully, we get another episode out before uh, the new year. But I have a huge announcement today. Finally, I am organizing and able to host my own retreat. This is going to happen in Costa Rica in October. I uh, don't know the specific dates yet, um, but we're putting together a awesome plan for a five to six day retreat. Um, we're going to have maximum 20 spots available and the first eight to sign up are going to get a huge discount. So basically you're going to be able to take a huge discount of the price and, and, you know, put that towards your, your flight getting out there. Um, putting the, putting the itinerary together right now and, and the workshops. Um, but it's going to be in this beautiful area at Hotel Hacienda Guachipelin, um, which I've heard is an incredible place. It's set on a 1400 hectare uh, working farm surrounded by jungle, super relaxed hotel that's 11 kilometers from Rincón de la Vieja National Park um, and six kilometers from Rio Negro Hot Springs, which you get to use pretty much as much as you want throughout the trip. Um, it's an awesome spot. Put a lot of thought into this on where uh, you know I wanted to host uh, my first or second retreat. Might might have one before then, but this is the one for now. I'm working on some other plans in the future. Um, but I'm really excited about this. So, uh, what can you do right now? Well, you can sign up, uh, and submit your email to be on a wait list to hear more information about when we're going to launch details, prices, what we're going to be offering at the retreat and what sort of we're going to, uh, be hosting as far as facilitating workshops there as well, too. So click on the link in my bio or sorry, click on the link in the show notes here. I'm thinking this is Instagram for a second here, y'all. Click on the link in the show notes. It's going to take you to just basically submit a little form, send your email in and um, you'll you'll be saved in a bank so we can let you guys know as soon as we have more information about the re- retreat, uh, about what's going to happen. And we're probably going to be launching information uh, on the first of the year. So, so January 1st, or if not the day before that. Um, so sign up right now. Head over there, just click on the link um, down in the show notes and and take yourself over there. Sign up immediately. Um, whether you we know if you can go or not, it behooves you to sign up. Trust me. Um, and and even if you can't make it, I, I totally understand too. But I'm trying to keep the price as low as possible for you all out there. So that way, you know, everything's pretty much included uh, besides you paying your airfare out there. So Costa Rica, October 2023. Lock that month in, save it open for me. We got 20 spots available to come out and do some deep work with me and enjoy, take some time off and give back to yourself, connect with others that are also doing some deep work on themselves and let's have a beautiful time. 
And as always, if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, please head over to my website at www.nicobarraza.com to inquire more. All right, y'all, we have my good friend, MissLoveBites.co, aka Dr. Tara herself, back on the show. Dr. Tara is a tenured professor of relational and sexual communication at California State University Fullerton, uh, received her tenure at the age of 33, which is incredible, an award-winning researcher, a sex and relationship coach, and the host of Love Bites by Dr. Tara podcast that focuses on sexual wellness and sexual exploration. Her work has been featured in Cosmopolitan, Women's Health Magazine, Insider, and other media outlets. She's also the relationship tech consultant for Coupley and Scratch Adventure mobile apps. Dr. Tara is an amazing woman. I'm so excited to have her on again. And we had a lot to talk about. Dr. Tara and I talk about casual sex, dating apps, and unlimited options, when to bring up what you're into as far as sex goes when going on dates, whether that's the first date, second date, third date, or two weeks from when you meet someone, sex addiction, and then how that proliferates, even if it's real, and also one night stands in our current culture. So really this episode is focused on sex, but really sexual intimacy. Um, It's going to be an asset to all of you whether you are in a monogamous relationship or you're dating or you're uh, completely abstaining from things and working on yourself. I think this is a really healthy episode for everyone. I hope you tune in. I hope you listen to the full thing. Um, and as always, go check out Dr. Tara's work. I'm going to link to all of her stuff and her social media and her website in the show notes below. Um, so before we get into it, just a quick reminder, submit your email for the retreat in 2023 in Costa Rica, y'all. I would love to see you there. And here we go, Dr. Tara. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So how do you want to angle this episode? Yeah. Where do, um, what particularly do you want to talk about? Let's see. I put that up a little bit. Um, I'm thinking, so I have these bullet points written down and I was thinking we talk a little bit about casual sex in, yes. in the modern world. And, and you tell me kind of your perspective on when it's healthy, when it might not be healthy, how to tell. Um, mm-hmm. one night stands is, is kind of a part of that. <clears throat> um, I think, the other thing is uh, when to bring up what you're into sexually, like in the dating process, mm-hmm. like like when do you actually start talking about it? Because a lot of people will say, well, I don't want to talk about the first, second date because all of a sudden then it's like I'm implying that, you know, I'm going to have sex with this person. Right. Interesting. So like when. Yeah. Ooh, and I, I actually have theoretical models to talk about that too. Like why people choose different ways. Perfect. I, I'm, I'm a person that like, yeah. I'm like right immediately. I'm like, let's, whether I'm going to have sex with you or not, I have no problem talking about it. So like, I just, right. I just you know, if someone's comfortable, I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah. Um, sex addiction has been something that people talk a lot about on my page recently, primarily in the terms mm. of like saying that some, someone that they know had, has or had a sex addiction. Um, mm. And so how do you tell, you know, basically, like if if like the amount of sex you're having is something that you might want to be like you know checking or it's something that oh it's just this is healthy i just want to have a lot of sex right i'm having a lot of sex you know because i know different people believe different things about sex addiction too so yeah yeah there's like there's you know academic definitions but like therapists are kind of there's like kind of a split school of thought when it comes to that right exactly and so would you would you want to speak on that too because that's something that's super intriguing to me yeah, we can talk about that too. There's also like, you know, there's sex addiction, but there's also like dating addiction. Ooh, yeah, we could. Where like someone who has to like consistently date and yep. like can't be single, yep. can't be alone. Yep. And I think that's a much bigger epidemic, really. <clears throat> Interesting than sex addiction. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. 
Well, should we start with like the the casual sex and then we kind of morph into it? Yeah, for- anything at all. <clears throat> you take the lead. Rad. I mean, if you're if you're signed up for sex parties, then I pretty much can ask you anything. <laughs> yeah, it was a no no like co- clothing optional party, and I'm really excited. It's like a it it seems like um you know like the orgy dome at Burning Man yeah. vibes. So. I wouldn't be surprised. This is so like out of my uh, realm of experience, which is so interesting talking to you because I'm like, I'm like, man, what are these, what are these things like? I've had some friends that, that dabble, but I've never been called to it myself yet. I feel like you would thrive. (laughs) I feel like you would really like it. Probably. Actually. Probably. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a creature of like, I'm very particular about the people I sleep with for sure, but I think I'd have to get to know them a little bit. You know, yeah, because um, I've definitely yeah. slept with a lot of good-looking women in my lifetime. But I think I'm at the point now where, mm. but maybe that's maybe that's the case. Like, are there is, are there intimate connections at these things, um, or is it mostly just like I think you're hot, I totally want to bang you, and then we go do our thing in a room or just wherever? No, I think a lot of times there's a lot of connection. That's cool. I dig that. Yeah, yeah. I think the majority of the time, actually, like, you know, I mean, I can speak honestly from my point of view but also like my observation yeah. um of other people mm. i don't think it's um the way porn portrays group sex okay. it's all it's all very spiritual yeah. everyone i've met through like sex positive groups or sex parties or sex clubs have always been spiritual people mm. Um, so I'd say like kind of Burning Man ish, like we all kind of have that in common where, you know, like love for humanity, like kind of a little bit, a little bit hippie, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> um, spiritual in different ways, different foundations and different faith, mm-hmm. but spiritual regardless. And my personal experience has always been people who are very passionate in what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, are also very into sexual variety and, you know, trying different sexual experiences. Mm. That's like my personal experience mm. and observation of others. Love it. We're going to, we're going to start the interview right now because I'm going to, I'm going to clip this in. Um, so okay, Dr. Tara, thank you so much for coming back on Star of the Goofy the Soul and joining me on this lovely Saturday. I know you could be doing plenty of other things. You're a very busy woman. Uh, but thank you for, for coming back on the show, my friend. It's always uh, wonderful to see your smile. You're such a bright light on, on the internet. Um, and so thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I really, I love just talking to you. So this is not work for me. This is just a hangout. <laughs> Appreciate that. It means a lot. That's that, that's what I strive for. You know, anyone that, uh, you know, we haven't met in person yet, but anyone that comes on the show, I really want them to feel comfortable. Like they're just chatting with someone, you know, that's in, that's interested in what they yeah. have to say. Um, you have a very calming presence in which I think your clients probably enjoy a lot. Yeah, that, that's a common theme for sure. I think I, yeah. I tend to ruffle feathers a little bit based on what we're talking talking about but i i i think most of the time very very calming presence for sure yeah um cool well let's jump into it um i want to start our chat today because last episode we chatted about um you know sexual intimacy we chatted about porn we chatted about how to maintain sexual intimacy over the lifelong of a relationship um but i want to start with uh casual sex today because a lot of times when i post something on instagram um about uh, let's say dating or putting yourself out there, a lot of the comments and particularly from women will be like, well, it's really hard to find someone that wants to commit in a monogamous relationship because we live in this hookup culture. Right. Um, and so 
from your perspective, you know, do you think that casual sex can ever be a problem? And if so, how do we tell when it is a problem or unhealthy or is it always okay? Mm, really good question there. I think like anything, uh, it could be good. Mm-hmm. It could be bad. Mm. <laughs> and I think casual sex that's bad is when it's mindless, mm-hmm. uh, is when it's done without intention, mm-hmm. is when it's done when you're too drunk, too high or too whatever, mm-hmm. or even when it's done with manipulation and, you know, malice. Because, you know, some people do, like, we, we do call some people, like, womanizer mm-hmm. for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Like, fuck boys or fuck, I mean, there's also fuck girls. There's fuck so girls, yep. Can't really blame women, can't really blame men about that. Because right. there's also women that just, like, you know, don't want to commit. But we do see a much bigger pattern, like, statistically of men having a lot of casual sex versus women. Mm-hmm. Not to say women don't do sure. it. There, there are women that do it. I did it. Um... I do think that this is a little controversial, especially from me. I do think that a lot of casual sex uh, is not necessarily good for your higher self. Interesting. Yeah. Is a shock coming from me? I know. I was not <laughs> expecting that answer, but here we are. Um, because... <clears throat> Because of how a lot of people have gone about doing casual sex. Mm-hmm. If you were more intentional, more kind, more, and you treat your casual sex partner with respect and full communication and really like thoroughly enjoy consensual fuck, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I respect that completely. I can have that with someone and have such a good chemistry, good friendship, have a good fuck and say goodbye. Yep. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's intentional casual sex, which is different from people that like use others for sexual gratification. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between sexual satisfaction and sexual gratification. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people use casual sex for gratification and not satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. How do you think like dating apps and apps like field or tinder have influenced you know hookup culture and casual sex right because some people say that you know it's it's gotten a lot worse since these things are now part of our culture uh you know in my mind it's it's always been there it just gave us another avenue to express it right but but what what do you think i'd have to agree with you i think it helps facilitate these so i mean is does it make it easier probably Because in the past, if you wanted to have casual sex, you have to first put in an effort and go to a bar and then try to hit on someone and then try to take them home or to a hotel or whatever. But now you can just, you know, be home, like binge watch, you know, whatever, and then get on your phone and swipe, 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 swipe Mm -hmm. until someone swipe right as well. And then you just kind of like get it on via chat and be like, hey, you want to come over? Mm. So it's so much easier. So in a way, because it facilitates that type of communication, it, I think it does affect uh, casual sex in a way that it increases the amount of people engaging in casual sex just because how easy mm. it is. And it's so easy. I mean, do you remember when, I think we're about the same age. Do you remember when people had no phones? Oh yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was like no smartphone. That was high school for me. No, like who <laughs> do you hook up with? You have to go to a bar. Right. 
Yeah, I'm, you'd have to go somewhere. I say this all the time. If I had Tinder when I was in undergrad, uh, I would. It wouldn't have been good. It would have been fucking a horrible idea for myself. Like I probably would have never went to class. You know, it was. <laughs> it would have been like people you have slept with probably tripled. Oh, absolutely! Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it would have been it would have been a really bad idea for me because I had like no self control then. Like, everyone <laughs> was just like I fell in love like every ten seconds. At, you know, um, it was it was just craziness. So now I think about you know, four like fifteen to twenty two year olds. Oh, you know, yeah. a, lot, a lot of people get on a dating app and lie about their age. You know, um, yeah. and and I think that I, I think about the younger people now, and I'm like, wow, given. All the technology, whether it's TikTok or Instagram and all this constant stimuli, like no wonder people have an issue picking somebody because it's like, well, there's always something better, more attractive, more sexually gratifying coming down the pipeline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess when we talk about like monogamy or polyamory or actually getting a relationship, how, like, what would you tell someone that's 18 to 22, you know, an undergrad that is basically just sleeping with a lot of people via these apps, but not finding a lot of meaningful connection. I think uh, I would say, you know, you can you can have sex with you know a lot of people as long as you also like honor them as like human yes, beings right. and then communicate your intentions. Mm-hmm. And if that's how you you know, enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. And if it's consensual, the other person also enjoy herself or himself or themselves. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I think there is a lot of discoveries mm-hmm. through casual sex. And even though, you know, like now we can say, because like we're in our 30s, so now we can say like, oh, casual sex is like eating at McDonald's. Like we want, you know, Michelin star restaurant. Mm -hmm. Like that's true. But sometimes you might just want fries and fuck it, let's get fries, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I mean, you're talking to a hedonist here, you know? So I'm like, well, if it's pleasurable, consensual and fun, like why not? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I, I guess... That's what I would say. I wouldn't be a good I wouldn't be a good guidance for someone that wants to practice a lot of self-control in their early 20s yep. just because I uh I'm an advocate of trying different things. And your 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 sort of audience is a little different too, right? Because I feel like yeah. you know everyone depending on where you are in life needs a little bit different advice, right? Yeah. And so in your 30s, yeah. 40s redefining like reconnecting with sexuality, getting through sexual repression, yeah. that's a little bit different than if you're 18 to 22. Right. Yeah. Um, based on where, if you're in your thirties yeah. and you still have these meaningless fucks like two times a week, right. I, I feel like that's a little problematic. <laughs> which which actually leads me into my next thing is that another thing that comes up a lot on my page is people talking about their exes or family members or someone that's close to them having a sex addiction, right? And mm-hmm. saying that like, well, you know, they're basically it's basically you know they're addicted to this, you know, mm-hmm. and and obviously we we spoke about this off air, but you know the therapy counselor psych sort of uh, psychologist community is a little split on this right is is where sex addiction sort of manifests and if it's actually an addiction or if it's a response to trauma that's sort of just manifesting in this right um do you think that i guess from your perspective um you know sex addiction is i guess a real addiction or do you think it's manifesting in a different way and we're just mislabeling it cuz we do that a lot as a society right i mean the word narcissism already has been used and abused by people that really aren't qualified to use it. And so narcissism is like 
all over the internet now, right? Narcissism, narcissism, yeah. codependency, right? And these are clinical terms. And now I feel right. like sex addictions almost used now for anyone that someone considers a fuck boy or fuck girl, like, oh, they're just a sex addict. I'm like, well, you don't really right. know that. And addiction is a way different thing. Oh, yeah. I would say it is being used mm. way too much out of context mm. and incorrectly mm. um, in many places. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, Sex addiction is real, but sex addiction is fucking intense. Yeah. And the way people use it, that's not sex addiction. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's low self-esteem. Maybe it's validation-seeking behavior. Maybe it's sociosexual tendency, mm-hmm. but it's not sex addiction. Right. Sex addiction is when you literally can't move on with your life and you have these random fucking urges throughout the day to engage in sex, to masturbate, to watch porn, and like you can't control it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you're at work and you're like, oh, fuck, I have this urge. I have to run to the bathroom and jerk off and come in order to come back and type my excel sheet expense sheet for the day that's addiction like that means you need this in order to move forward in a day if that's not what you're experiencing and you just love fucking three girls a week three different girls a week like that's not technically sex addiction it's probably validation seeking behavior and low self-esteem yes exactly yeah yeah so i think the way people are throwing the word oh like he's a sex addict he's a sex addict I don't think it's right. Yeah, I agree. I think that porn has really influenced our, our sexual addictive behavior, sexually addictive behavior too, because, you know, before the internet, you know, you really, I mean, there was still sex addiction actually happening, obviously, but you really didn't hear the term thrown around. And now it's like, well, sex addiction is, is almost sometimes synonymous with porn addiction, you know, where like, where like the use of porn actually influences your addiction to physical sex too, because you're using it so much. It becomes this like, well, every time I, I ejaculate do this, I get a release of dopamine that feels good. It calms me down. And then I just do it over and over again as a coping mechanism. Yeah. And I think sex addiction manifests in that a lot, like that way a lot, you know, like we're, we're sort of, yeah. we're sort of desensitizing ourselves via porn to you know this like like extreme pool that i have to get off or i have to have sex in order to feel okay and there's some really scary porn yeah oh yeah like i'm all about ethical porn Mm -hmm. like i'm all about ethical porn listening to erotica like you know watching like amateur porn like that's okay you know once a while if you want to watch porn to stimulate yourself Mm -hmm. i think that's okay if you want to watch kinky stuff uh trying new things Um, with your partner I think that's okay Mm -hmm. it helps like visually facilitate like how things can happen because you can listen to a podcast about BDSM or you know um, or listen to a watch like a YouTube talk about TED talk about BDSM Mm -hmm. but it's not the same as watching people do BDSM and like kind of mimic Mm -hmm. you know the the movement and the vibe so I definitely think there's there's space and time for effective use of porn but at the end of the day I know that a lot of young men are using it ineffectively or abusing it uh and some of these like porn it's it's very scary even though there's no research conclusively say that it increases um like violence against women but I watch some of these porn and I mean sometimes I'm super curious so I'll go down a rabbit hole of Watching some, whoa, like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, trigger warning for listener. Yeah. Uh, like there's 
there's like murder porn. Yeah. <laughs> Where you mimic like hurting someone to like kill them. I'm yeah. like, how is this an actual, <laughs> an actual <clears throat> sexual stimulation to someone? It's so interesting to think about, yep. and and the fact that like a 14 year old yep. can be watching this right. because it's on mainstream channel. Right, that's scary to me. You know, if if I have a son, I don't want my son watching shit like that. So that that's another that's another that's a really interesting topic because you know we get into this area where people will be like, well, this is just my kink or something. Right. And I think that like we need people like, like killing people. <laughs> right. Well, I mean like at least, at least the reenactment of it. Right. And so right, I think that right. the, um, I think we need people like you to kind of set us straight where it's like, okay, are you acting through like your sexual kinkiness or through your trauma? Right. Because a lot, I think a right. lot of people, and this is sort of my, my issue with like a little bit of the sex positive world is that we need more people mm-hmm. talking about, uh, people reenacting their trauma sexually and saying it's like their freedom versus like, cause they're running from shit versus like, Oh, this is really embodying like my kink, you know? And I think it's, it's a hard thing to judge from the outside on because then it gets like really critical. Right. And you're trying to, you're trying to allow people to open up and be themselves. But where is that line? You know, where's that line for us? Like, how do we define it? Because something like that to me sounds really grotesque and like kind of insane to watch and Scary. feel, feel like turned on by. But to someone else, that might feel like that's what they get off to, which is. Yeah. Like, oh, that's super hot. Right. And so I think what, where, you know, where do we find that? Where do we define that line? I guess as a culture trying to find, you know, like our, our sexual power, but also not let it sort of, you know, uh, destroy us. You know, that's a really interesting point. I would say like for just for anyone who feel like their sexual interest is on the fringes or is something that is super uncommon, mm-hmm. I highly recommend you seek out and see a sex therapist, yeah. a kink informed sex therapist. <clears throat> Wonderful. Um, not just any sex therapist, not Dr. Tara <laughs> and, you know, just not any sex coach, but kink informed sex therapist Mm. because they have certain frameworks to work through understanding those like really intense kink Mm -hmm. and then you're going to be able to kind of identify Mm. whether or not it comes from something or maybe if it's just really an interest like where is the limit Mm. and how do you practice your life in a way that it's still like under certain like you know morals and ethics and still can enjoy um, your kink so mm. definitely if you feel like you're watching stuff and you're being turned on and and you know you're now like having urges being into something that's that may seem dangerous or uh, dangerous for yourself or dangerous for others mm-hmm. i would talk to a sex therapist yep. um yeah to figure stuff like that out that's a great piece of advice and i think probably the, yeah. the, the right way to go forward so the other thing you brought up is you, you know if you had a 14 year old son you don't watch him you don't want him watching something like that what is your advice to parents? Because, you know, my first exposure to pornography, I was 12, right between 12 and 13 years old, right? Um, and and that was kind of right when internet porn started to become a thing, I would say. Yeah. Um, now, being a parent, I mean, kids have access to stuff, you know, even if even if you sort of put limitations on their own devices, they'll, they'll find it somewhere, right? So, mm-hmm. like, how do you, how do you work that as a parent? Like, how do you approach your, your, your child and educate them in a way where you, you know, give them the, the own internal ability to make those decisions on their own, because you're obviously not going to be around them 24 seven at that age. 
Right. You know, I、uh, love this question, and it's we're so aligned because actually, this past summer,、uh, I got a grant to study family sex communication、mm-hmm. and parent-child sexual communication, and I conducted focus groups to understand、um, LGBTQ kids and、uh, heterosexual kids and how they have received different types of communication and how it has affected them as a young adult、okay. engaging in you know different sexual activities and how it has affected their sexual attitudes. So I do have data to talk about this, as well as like I know a lot of the previous research on this topic.、Mm-hmm. So first off, you want to always use sex positive terms in your household. You never want to say like sex is dirty, or like people who, or like when sex scene comes up, you don't have to go like, oh, don't watch that, because there's nothing wrong with two loving people having sexual activity at all.、Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So why cover their eyes? It will happen to them. And when you cover their eyes or change channel or act like it is something dirty or taboo, you are now non-verbally ingraining it in them that that's not okay.、Mm-hmm. And it's something to be ashamed about.、Mm-hmm. So, if you wanna instill a lot of shame in your household, continuously doing that will instill shame、mm-hmm. in your household. So, I would say just let it be. You know,、uh, if there's sex scene in the movies, if you wanna address it, sure, verbally address it. Like, hey, hey, you know, when you're an adult, you'll probably do something like that to、um, a partner、uh, with a partner,、mm-hmm. and it will be a fun connecting experience for you.、Mm-hmm. When that time comes, come talk to me. Absolutely. So, when you're neutral about、um, sexual activities around the house, and also,、um, so that's number one is not having like extreme negative、uh, response、right. towards like things that are sexual in the household, and like use、um, correct terms. Because you're kind of passing on like, the shame in a way, even if it's nonverbal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Use、uh, or like if your partner like kisses you or you know. Ask for a kiss, or you know, grab your butt in the kitchen. You know, don't like slap them away, and you're like, don't do that in front of the kids. There's no problem doing that in front of the kids.、Mm-hmm. It's affectionate, nonverbal communication. If anything, the kids will think, "Well, my parents are super love.、Right. That's great."、Right. You know, doing that perhaps show them, "Oh, that behavior is not okay." So in the future, if someone does that to me, it means maybe they're disinterested, they don't love me, or something's wrong with me.、Mm-hmm. So like little mannerisms like that, I would be. Careful and like live your life, you know, naturally. Like if you want to kiss your partner, and you like you know, I watch, look at my husband, want to kiss him, grab his butt, just do it. Like you know, if the kids go ew, fine,、mm. <laughs> you know, it's good because they can see affection, and it's healthy.、Mm. Seeing affection is healthy. Um, I think number two is using correct terms. Uh, don't call a vulva and vagina flower. You know, just say, "Oh, you know, a girl has a vulva and a vagina, and you know, just, and a,、uh, a boy has a penis." You know, don't call it like little, like a sausage or flower.、Yeah. Or, you know, don't use those terms. Use co- scientifically correct terms、okay. so that they know there's nothing wrong with that. And then, lastly, when it comes to porn. Right, because that comes eventually. Like they could be nine, ten, and are exposed to porn.、Mm. I think when it comes to porn, once you have set up your household to be shame-free, uh, once they, you know, are exposed to porn, either at home by themselves or maybe their friends show them at school, uh, tell them to come talk to you.、Mm. 
like, hey, you know, um, there's this like kind of movie thing on the internet where it's like people film other people having sex. So if you ever see that, you know, at home or through a friend or whatever, if you have questions, you know, ask me. But just so you know, sex is between two consenting adults yep. who usually love each other mm-hmm. and it's a very like beautiful thing mm-hmm. a beautiful fun thing and if it's not that it's probably not a good example so if you're watching something oh. and it's not that it's not a good example just so you know yeah that's a good way to frame it i guess the the interesting part is like when you bring in love right because when i think of like even the sex party culture it's like well how do you explain that mm-hmm. to them if there's like well does everyone love each other that's sleeping with each other there's you know? a lot of love there is. i wouldn't say there's in love, mm, okay. but there is a lot of love for humanity. I understand. Okay, so it's you're not necessarily saying that the people like are in love. It's just like there's love there. No, right? not yeah. in like a yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Understood. Interesting. Not in like a soulmate, like right. a falling in love right. situation, right. but like love for humanity and like oh yeah, this person is like absolutely amazing, yep. and you know, yeah, that's cool. But even if like even if my kids were like, "What's a sex party?" then I would still you know talk about it in a very accurate way like there are good ones there are bad ones mm. can you and i want to talk i want to talk about this because i i don't know anything about this world right besides a couple of clients of mine that i've worked with and they've they've shared openly with me but i think you know from your perspective since you work in this in this world so and you're partaker yourself right what what defines something that's a good sex party versus a bad sex party how do we how do we define that um a good sex party um it's a party where Everyone is excited to be there. Mm-hmm. People have been vetted a lot, uh, like, you know, beforehand. Um, people typically have non judgmental attitude towards sex. Um, and usually it's people who share similar interests of some sort. Mm. So if the organizer is really good, they will be able to vet from applications who to invite, who not to invite to certain things. Or if they were organizing an event and they were like, let's say organizing like an S&M party, right? And like everyone's going to do, you know, level three S&M, like some more advanced shit, then I wouldn't go because that's not what I'm something I'm into. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they're doing anime sex night, <laughs> or you know like things that i'm not into then i'm not gonna go because mm. that's not what i'm into so the people that go they do share interest okay. and i think it's super hot i think it's very nice that people that share interest can get intimate kiss touch and do all that because one thing also about sex parties is like a lot of times they're not having penetrative sex mm. They're kind of just making out and cuddling and like squeezing and grabbing. Mm. There's a lot of that. Okay. There's not a lot of penetrative sex. Um, I would say like swingers club have way more penetrative sex. Okay. Uh, but that's like how couples, they go swing together. Right. So, so why not um, call it a cuddle party then? Uh, sometimes they do, but it's allowed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's just like, it tends to be that like people, you know, don't necessarily what i've observed too is when you go as a couple you are a little bit more likely to actually have sex interesting because then you have sex and you invite like a third person in Mm. like and that is like a lot easier than going alone um especially as a heterosexual man going alone like for the first time i've coached many men to go to sex parties Mm. and sex clubs Mm -hmm. um 
they will find it a little bit awkward the first time going because like number one, like people might be a little clicky because they've been there many times. Right. They know each other. They want to catch up. Um, but then a good organizer will know like not to just have like, you know, seasoned people, right. but also like have half noobs, half seasoned people so that everyone can mingle. <laughs> Did you say noobs? So again, is that what you said? Noobs. Yeah, it's an actual term that we use. Oh no, I know. <laughs> noobs is from the video game world too. So that's, that's just kind of funny. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We definitely have sex noobs, sex party noobs. But uh, yeah, you, you would want to like kind of mix them in a good ratio. Mm. But a good party is when it's consensual, interesting. People are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's actually non-judgmental and are like open to a lot more things. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a bad sex party is when the ratio is off. Mm-hmm. So either it's super clicky um, or, you know, there's too many men versus like too or too many women like whatever it is like ratio has to be good um there has to be and like a, another another signal of a, a bad party is like a bunch of straight dudes sitting like kind of standing around drinking and like watching girls and just objectify them mm-hmm. So like, there's no talking, there's no intellectual stimulating conversations. They just, they're like, just kind of there to get off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like to, it's either there to like try to fuck someone or like there to watch and then go jerk off, mm-hmm. but not actually participating in like getting to know other people. Okay. So would you say like, you know, I'm sure a lot of some listeners, the hair on the back of their neck standing up because this is probably so uncomfortable for them and to others, they're probably interested, right? For someone that's interested in this, like, how would you know you're, you're even in the right state of mind to attend one of these? Cause, you know, cause maybe some people, just want to go sleep with somebody, right? And that's their prerogative. Should you should you be like uh, ready to have a a deep intimate connection before you go to one of these things? I would say, yeah. yeah. I would say be ready to have um, intellectual conversations. Okay. Yeah. Um, and just like any like regular party. Mm-hmm. If I was hosting, uh, like, let's say a holiday party, I would hope I don't have a douchebag that's just here to like drink and make fun of other people and like not actually engaging in nice conversations. Yep. Like, right. I would hope that everyone is a great conversationalist and it's super vibey. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like same thing with holiday party or naked party, sex party. It's like the same thing where you would want everyone to be kind of like, intellectual conversationalist and just are good people who are interested mm-hmm. in other people so if you just want to like show up and fuck sex parties are not for you mm-hmm. like the unless you know these are the uh, ones that you like organize at home right. and <laughs> you have your own process that's fine right. too right okay understood um for people that want to get involved in this or are interested where do they start if you Google like sex parties near me or sex clubs near me, you'll find something. Or you can go join if you like Google sex positive mm-hmm. community near me, mm-hmm. there will be sex positive groups. So for example, like, you know, Sex Positive LA mm-hmm. is an organization and there's thousands of members mm-hmm. and that's a group, right? Yep. So when you start like chatting with other people, then you can kind of start knowing who's organizing what. Yep. But if you're in big cities, it's really easy to apply to become a member and like go to sex clubs in which they host sex parties regularly. Do you, um, do you find that a lot of interest? Okay. Do you find that a lot, a lot of monogamous couples, maybe some that you work with, some you know, will, do they go to sex parties and does that like actually improve their connection uh, outside of them? Because I'm I'm curious. You know, some people are so like 
uh, averse to some to even talking about this with their partner because they they view it as cheating or they view it as you know it's just not not something they're interested in they want to share their partner which i understand that too um do you think that there's there's some room for growth even in monogamous couples in attending one of these yeah, 100%. I've seen it myself, you know, um, as a sex coach, I've seen it myself where uh, a couple goes from like, there's a lot of tension between them. Mm-hmm. They haven't had sex for three months to like flourishing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't they don't go a lot. Like right. they maybe go like once every four months, mm-hmm. but then they find it so exhilarating and exciting and kind of a l- secretive little thing between two of them mm-hmm. that it actually renews this brand new energy in their relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm saying in the future, what we're moving towards isn't polyamory. <laughs> what we're moving towards is monogamish. Mm-hmm. People still enjoy monogamous relationships. Right. Like my partner and I are 100% socially monogamous. Mm-hmm. We're getting married. It's just us. We're life partner forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but can we have a threesome if we're interested in a third person and we're both collaboratively flirting with them? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, can we go to a sex party and we both enjoy, you know, a foursome or touching and licking and uh, doing these other things with other people together? Yes. Mm-hmm. I find it very connecting. Yeah. Um, so I think the future isn't necessarily like people say, you know, oh, everyone will be open. I don't think so. Like I don't have room to take care of another human being um you know and i i actually highly commend my friends who are poly like who are in relationship of four because i'm like dude i barely have time for brent and like i'm trying to take care of him be there for him (laughs) support him go to his work functions uh, go to my work functions and uh, you know try to be like the best partner i can be to just one person already really hard Mm -hmm. so yeah, like I would just say I'm, you know, we're we're completely socially uh, monogamous. And then from time to time, we may have, you know, threesomes, group sex, like enjoy other type of sexual variety. But that's it. So that's like it's monogamish. Mm-hmm. And I think based on, I mean, Dan Savage as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the future. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I love these conversations with you because it's always a perspective that I might have even not heard yet, you know, because this isn't the world I, I work <laughs> in, even though a lot of the work I do with clients is th- there's there's sexual undertone to it, whether they're in a relationship or finding themselves right uh, in new singlehood. Um, but you work with sex on a daily basis, right? And so it's yeah. super intriguing. Okay. So follow up question to that is, and this is something I'm actually really interested to hear your opinion on. Uh, when you, when you start to go on dates, right? Let's say first date, second date, whatever. When is the appropriate time to bring up your like sexual kinks or what you're into sexually or, you know, th- those things in, in your mind? Because so many people ask that, like, well, if we should be open and authentic, right? And vulnerable and communicative, when is the healthy time to let someone know when this is what you're into because sexual compatibility is a huge thing. So you could, you could knock all the other boxes, right? And then check all the other boxes and then you bring up the sex and it's just very un- incompatible. Like, wah, wah. Right. <laughs> what do you think? When, when would you share your sexual interest? So, uh, I would share it immediately because I, that's just who I am, right? I'm, I, I've grown into a, this extremely open person where I have uh, no shame about what I'm into, the things that turn me on, right? Uh, but I also gauge my audience. I wouldn't ever share it if I think it's going to make someone feel uncomfortable, you know? So, so I would ask them if they are really interested and they want to know, I have no problem sharing. But if they probably don't want to know and I sense that they, you know, it's going to make them feel uncomfortable, I probably wouldn't out of respect for them. But I gravitate towards people that, 
that are able to speak about it very openly because in my mind, they've worked through that, that shadow and that trauma and that oppression to get to a level where they can just share openly about who they are. And that's actually really sexy to me. That's a huge turn on. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I'm probably going to share something very similar to what you just shared is, um, in my opinion, both personal and professional opinion, um, you should talk about your sexual interests in, on your first date. Because people's sexual interests, yes, it does like change and it, it changes, it shifts. You know, you may have new interests in the future. You may be interested, you may be, uh, you know, curious about something. But generally, your sexual attitude at the time says a lot about who you are and how you lead your life, how you think relational, um, stages should go. Mm. Uh, so I would, highly encourage people to share their sexual interests in the first date because here's why I have worked with quite a few couples that they did not share their actual sexual interests early on in the in the date and like let, let alone like first date but early on in dating I, I've worked with some married couples that you know the husband or the wife had just shared they're super into this like something else and uh, you know, their partner feels betrayed because mm-hmm. it's like, w- dude, what the fuck? You know, um, I thought we're, we, we agree that this kind of sex is hot, it's passionate, it's great, but apparently not. <laughs> apparently this whole time you wish that I would be into so-and-so, like, you know, either feet or poop or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a feeling that when you don't feel comfortable enough sharing your sexual interests early on. And again, early on doesn't have to be first date. It could be like second or third date, but early on in dating, it's probably not a good sign. Mm. It's probably like, maybe you're not super comfortable with this person. Right. Right? Um, I would highly recommend sharing. Okay. If not first date, like second date, because this other person deserves to know. And also, you don't want to be with someone that doesn't like what you do. That too. And I think it's almost a a question of, are you comfortable with yourself? Because, you know, it's hard to know if you're comfortable with another person, even on the first date, because you really don't know them well enough. But, but I think if you're sharing, you know, what you're into sexually, it's, are you comfortable with yourself? Like for me, I'm, I'm fully comfortable with what I'm into sexually. Mm -hmm. You know, I've grown into that based on the work I've done. And so if someone were to be turned off by it, I'm like, that's okay. We're just not compatible in that way. It's cool. You know, I respect what you're into. Right. It's like, um, Yeah. You know, so I think like for some women that I talk to, they will say, you know, I won't have sex until three months. Right. It's just some arbitrary. They have a specific. (laughs) Yeah. It's like says it in the Bible somewhere. Uh, A specific timeline, Mm -hmm. you know, either three months, six months, uh, Six months really long. <laughs> yeah, that's. Like it, three months, I would. I would months. not even. It, it's. It's like the whole. And I respect everyone's decision, but. But also, when you think about it, like if you're a sexual human being, which the majority of people are, right? Have have a, have a sex drive on different levels, mm-hmm. and so if you're going to wait six months while getting to know someone, how are you really? How are you getting to know them on that level? I mean, that level is super important to me. You know, so because you could you could have a great connection if the sex is like not that great. I mean, that's important to me, right? It's not I'm not going to not be with someone because the sex isn't like incredible. But if we can't work on it together, if I feel like this person, you know, there's a lot of blocks there, I probably wouldn't date them personally because that's a huge I'm I'm in like my sexual power. I feel great. Right? I love having sex. Yeah. I love having passionate, yeah. connected yes. sex. Um, I have a question for you. Let's go. So how important is sex to you in a romantic relationship yeah. from one to 10 of importance? So I'd, I'd, 
probably put it at a three or a two because one uh, is emotional awareness or emotional intelligence, which I chalk up to. No, I mean like from one least important to ten, well, very important. Well, that's what you know, that's what I mean though. So it can't be the most important for rating things because emotional intelligence is probably my most important. But mm-hmm. but I'd say probably sex is probably right under that on some level, you know. And I and I say sex on a broad term. I mean like sexual compatibility, sexual connection. Yeah. Right. Just like having good sex. Yeah. I mean, very important because like yeah. it's uh it's you know one of the things we I think we need to really survive right is connection it's intimacy right just like food water shelter yeah. kind of thing um yeah so for me very so important if from least important to most important it's like very important very important to me yeah okay so what if you date someone who's you know you're like very you have a lot of chemistry with mm-hmm. you're very attracted to her yeah. um she's very smart but then she's like eh Sex is not important in a romantic yeah, relationship yeah, for that me. That would probably be a deal breaker for me. And I and I would Really? Yeah, I think so. Everything else is perfect. Uh, yeah, well, I mean perfect, right? It's subjective. I think but but I think that <laughs> perfect is I think where I would base it off of is like, you know, if she's if she's so already like made her decision, I'm not going to try to change her mind, right? If she's like I'm open right. to to getting better at this or to learning more or to growing here, I'd be awesome. That's good enough for me because I want a partner who's open to growth in all these avenues. Right. But if someone's just like I'm okay with like not really having sex as a focal point in the relationship that wouldn't work for me personally and so again part of the things i help with clients with is establishing deal breakers versus preferences and that would be a deal breaker for me personally yeah me too yeah it just it's just not (laughs) that would be for me too yeah sex is to me like at least you know sexual chemistry and and the the interest Mm -hmm. like being interested Mm -hmm. in sex Mm -hmm. is super important to me um so if someone was like you know i'm I'm gonna wait three months to have sex with you i would have to say no this is already like a bad match it's also even people that are that are very quick to have sex or that that speak about it openly i do find that um i'm looking for even more than that i really want someone that's connected with themselves and and like Mm -hmm. you're saying is having mindful sex because you can be very Mm -hmm. sexually promiscuous and have a lot of mindless sex and talk about sex openly but still really like you can feel it when someone's really like authentically living in their body right and their soul's Mm -hmm. on fire and when you sleep with them it's a different connection especially if you're meeting that energy right it's like oh my god this is what this is like how the universe is created kind of thing right um and uh, (laughs) yes yes and and then and then when you when you don't have that it's like meh you know it's like okay like you know even if it was consensual even if you had a decent time like like there's something lacking there right i don't think every sexual experience has to be like the cosmo shattering right sex no um, and it's not. it's not sometimes you have a quickie sometimes you have a quickie right but i think yeah. i think ultimately like i really value in in anyone that i'm trying to connect with in that way is uh you know one are they a kind good person are they aware are they aware of themselves are they were their own trauma have they done work because that usually comes out in the rhythm of sex too right you can oh, tell yeah. when you sleep with someone who's holding a lot of stuff in or who's just there to kind of get off because they don't want to face their things right i mean at least me because i'm a very empathic human being i can tell when someone's like that i can tell in conversation if i'm just sitting at a coffee table with someone and so you know yeah. usually i would never get to a point where like i'm i'm having deep conversations with a person because i probably would already get the sense like sexually they they're like repressed or sexually they like don't yeah. want to you know what i mean i it wouldn't even get to that scenario yeah. um but same same sometimes i feel an energy like if i go to a networking party or something like that right. i can feel the energy of a sexually repressed person 100 <laughs> percent, because it really just yeah. ha- it chalks down to trauma right it chalks down to unresolved unprocessed trauma and those are kind of the avenues we work in really i mean mm-hmm. a- anything that that limits self-expression is usually unprocessed trauma mm-hmm. 
honestly, mm-hmm. right? It yeah, kills your well creativity. Said. It kills your curiosity, mm-hmm. right? And so it otherizes yourself and other people, right? It becomes dogmatic versus like, oh, when I'm curious, I'm open, right? doesn't mean that think like there, I still have boundaries, things I don't really, I'm not really interested in trying because they don't turn me on, but I'm still open to talking about it, right? Um, and I think it's just, it's just, it's changed, right? Because if you were to ask 14 year old me, well, there was still probably a lot of repression going on in my mind from the Catholic faith or from, you know, family dynamics or whatever, uh, just from how I viewed sex and talking about sex versus now, you know, I never thought when I was 14 that I'd be on the internet hosting a podcast talking about (laughs) sex, you know, but yeah, exactly. Me neither. (laughs) There There we go. You know, me neither. I know someone asked me like, what would happen if an 18 year old Tara looked uh, looked at Dr. Tara's TikTok. Mm. Yeah, what, what would happen? <laughs> I said they would fucking laugh out loud because they're like, I, this is hilarious. Mm. Like, this is the person that I come to be. It's insane because when I was 18, I was sexually repressed. Mm. I had low self-esteem mm. and I had a lot of um, like validation-seeking behavior. Yep. And, you know, faked a lot of orgasms, too. Oh, so man. I had all kinds of shit going on for me, a bad cocktail. Yep. So I would be uh, so surprised, but really happy. I would be really happy mm. that, like, oh, finally, she's able to, like, come out um, on the other side and really just enjoy reaping the benefits of, like, what our bodies right. give us. Absolutely. I think so many, so many people, and particularly women, uh, they'll they'll sort of say something like, well, I'm not that kind of person, right? I don't just sleep around, I don't sleep with people. And, and it's almost like they're still shaming themselves. Cause I, at one point, like I'm, I'm respectful of that, right? That's their decision. But I'm like, what is influencing you to even say that comment? Right. Cause even if I were to think of like, you know, clients of mine where they're like, well, I just don't, I don't sleep around. I'm like, well, there's a difference between sleeping around mindlessly versus sleeping around mindfully. Right. Mm-hmm. And at some point you have to sleep with someone. And, and I think the thing is when someone says that like, it's not who they are. It's probably because they've had an experience that probably wasn't healthy or probably wasn't empowering. And so they've chalked that up to be like, that's what sleeping around is. It's always going to be like that. And so therefore I will prevent myself from doing that at all because it's bad. That's a really good point. I mean, we're all kind of limited to our sample size, right? Right. And someone that said that probably has a very small sample size and really negative experiences. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I can totally understand if I had a ton of, like, you know, if I had, let's let, let's say, had sex with three men yep. and all of them were terrible, I wouldn't want to just say, quote unquote, save myself mm-hmm. and wait until, I don't know, whatever kind of feeling comes right. up, I guess. Uh, but... But at the end of the day, you know, like like you said before, if a girl says that is probably like not a good compatible person for you, right. at the end of the day, we all have our own journeys. And if that's something she says, she probably has like other things to also work on, mm-hmm. you know, like and, and get through and really understand who she mm-hmm. is and that her sexuality is a part of her and actually using it, harnessing the energy and the power of like the womb and the sacral chakra is actually very powerful. Mm-hmm. And it has personally like affected positively every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I go from, you know, um, anxious, depressed, um, super skinny, doing drugs to like, you know, very, a very flourishing human that I'm very proud mm-hmm. of, uh, just through harnessing my sexual power. I want to reiterate that because, you know, 
you're you're such a, a a very warm personality, but there's not any piece of you that I find disingenuous at all. You're just very genuine. You're like you 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 are in your own love, which is a beautiful thing to see, you know. And I think it's indicative of even when I see you on social media, the friends that you have, like your assistant, like there's just this like authenticity with all the people you hang out with. With like people are themselves and they're they're accepting and they're also open to the differences, you know. And I feel like you have created that community because of who you are, and that's just a testament to all the work that you've done interpersonally and that's why I'm a big fan just because when when I sit here and talk to you I can feel that through the camera like you you are very much who you are you know which is a beautiful thing to see because that's that's primarily the work we're all trying to do in therapy is get to yourself right yeah yeah thank you so much for saying that that's so kind I would say the same to you that's why I'm saying this is not work this is just chatting with a good friend you know I appreciate that (laughs) appreciate that a lot yeah yeah you also radiate this like really honest energy and I think it's beautiful I think working on ourselves is the best thing ever Mm -hmm. I love it I I have a life coach and I love her so much shout out to Becky Um, but she has helped me see so many other parts of myself like we're so complex Mm -hmm. we're humans like there's so many aspects of life and it's just so fun like I work with my coach and she had recently taught me to talk to little Tara and you know little Tara has something to say like little Tara has something to say about people pleasing Mm -hmm. behavior little Tara has something to say about you know consistent achievements and need of recognition right like I know where I'm struggling and I'm working on making that less of a struggle and more of something that works for me. And I think it's, uh, it's awesome. I just, I hope that, and I wish that more people would be open to working on themselves. Love it. I'm going to, I'm going to end it there because that's, that's a very good place to leave this. Um, Dr. Tara, where can people go to find your work? How can they connect, connect with you? And also, do you have, do you have a, like a book you're working on or something? I feel like this needs to be, I feel like we got to get this all on paper in a more structured way where we can like, you know, pass these things out like Bibles. <laughs> like Bibles, yeah. love, sex Bible. Yeah. Um, people can, well, you guys, your uh, fam can find me on my website, lovebites.co. That's L U V. B-I-T-E-S dot C-O, lovebites.co. All of my information's on there. Um, um, actually working on a course, an online course uh, about sexuality mm-hmm. and how to communicate about sex and ultimately how to live authentically as your sexual self, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I admit this is working on your sexual self and it's not every aspect of your life, it's one aspect of your life. So I still highly recommend people, you know, working on other aspects. It's fun. Work with Nico and work on a different aspect of you. Um, work, uh, read a different book and work on a different aspect of you. It's really fun. It's sexy. Um, and yeah, I'm working on a course. It will release uh, next year around Valentine's Day. Awesome. Well, be sure to, I mean, I'll know this from your profile, but let me know because I will help promote that. That sounds like a, a wonderful course. Maybe I'll even take it myself. Love you, Nico. Um, yeah, thank you. Right back at you, my friend. So thank you so much for coming back on the show. And uh, as always, it's just wonderful. Spend time with you. I really want to meet you in person. I need to get up to LA. We need to have some lunch, meet up. So. Ha- come to LA. Let's do it. <laughs> I know. I will let you know when I come down to San Diego. You're in San Diego, right? I'm here for now. Yep. I'm here for, I won't be here. Yeah 
too much longer, but I'm here for at least a couple more months. Really? So, yeah. Where are you moving to? Oh, well, I'll probably go back to Northern Arizona where, where home is, you know, um, I think with that, that was okay. where I was where, when we had our first interview, but I've been here for surgery. You know, I got shoulder surgery for the second time, recovered. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought you were just chilling. No, I mean, I am, I am just chilling, but it's not, it's not like home, you know, home is definitely Northern Arizona for me. So. Oh, okay. Do you have any plans to come to LA? Uh... Yeah, probably. I have some really close friends there. So yeah, I think I think I do. So we'll have to we'll have to rendezvous. Yes. Yes. I'm gonna definitely gonna take you out to lunch. Cool. Appreciate <laughs> you. Thank you so much awesome. for coming back on the show, Dr. Tara. Yeah. Have an orgasmic day. I wish people could realize all their dreams and wealth and fame and so that they could see that it's not where you're gonna find your sense of completion. Everything you gain in life will rot and fall apart. And all that will be left of you is what was in your heart, in your heart.